Suicide Logs episode 128. Today I have on erotic novelist Alexia Knight. We talk about uh, monogamy, cheating, polyamorous sex, trying new things, uh, life, a whole lot of things. It was a cool episode. And uh, before we get started, I just want to say thank you to my sponsor, smoothmyballs.com. Go ahead and use my code at checkout, WooSaw, for 20% off. W-O-O-S-A-H. Alexia said some crazy shit that made me need to take a woosah. And uh, kind of like blew me away at the middle of the episode. Because uh, I came into this fresh not really knowing much. So I uh, hope you guys like it as much as I did. Uh, questions, comments, concerns. You can reach her on Instagram at Tinderella Diaries. You can order her book on Amazon. The Tinderella Diaries. Uh, she's got two books out. I think she's coming out with a third one. And as always, you can reach me on Instagram at Suicide Logs. On with the episode. How are you doing this Sunday? I'm doing good. Good to hear. Are you from, um, I want to take a guess here. Are you from the Los Angeles area? I sure am. Yes. I'm a born and raised native Angelino, as they call us. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. And the re- the way how I found out is because I did some stalking um, from your buddy who re- re- referred you to me. Yes. Um, the cartoon guy. Beautiful yes. drawings. Um, and I and I was thinking in my head, I was like, I wonder if she was somebody who moved to L.A. to like. No, well, he is. Um, so Cartoon Nuke, he designed um, all three of the covers for my books. Um and he's a really good friend, but yeah, he moved here from the East Coast, um, just like everybody else did, you know, to find a place in, in the art world or the entertainment world or t- to make a name for themselves. Yeah. Um, I'm a rarity. I'm a native. I was born here. And um, there's such a difference between my friends that were born and raised here and then my my other set of my friends that came from somewhere else to, to live here. I have lots of friends who are animators and graphic designers, uh, work in Uh, music and dance film video game industry and you know everybody comes here to be to be famous to get their art to get their content out there in the world and it's it's so different from uh, natives we kind of take it for granted that everybody else wants to come here i feel that same way too i'm not i don't live particularly in la i've been there plenty of times but i'm just being in california sometimes i just 
I feel like other people who aren't from California kind of look at you weird if you're not doing something along those lines of everything right. you mentioned. <laughs> yeah, people have these assumptions of what it's like to be in California, you know, especially. Here, yeah, know? yeah. But, you know, not everything, you know, we, we don't all eat $15 avocado toast and, you know, I mean, most Somebody's of us do. Somebody's got to take but... out the trash. Somebody's got to right. leave you up at Safeway, right? Yeah, we're real people here. And I think for me, that is the the crux of my book is that I'm a real woman. I'm not, you know, I'm not a, a reality star. I don't have an agent, a representation. Um, I don't have any plastic surgery or Botox. I look the <laughs> way I look. <laughs> All right. My photos aren't, you know, airbrushed or retouched. This is a real me, a real woman, a mother telling her story. And um, I think that's what resonates with people is that it's not it's not glossy. It's not shiny for pe for people to enjoy in, in that sort of a way. It's it's real and it's raw, and um, you know people don't expect that from an LA story, but uh, you know mm. it is an LA story. I respect it. I respect anyone who's being real. Have you ever wanted to move out of LA? Um, honestly, no. I I always see myself. Um, as an LA girl and, and uh, maybe the furthest I'll ever get to is, is San Diego. You know, that's our sister city. Um, I went to college down there. I love it there. I've got family that lives there. I might end up there someday, but um, no, I'm, I'm a Cali girl, Southern, Southern California for sure. <laughs> okay. I, I know you told me a little bit about yourself, but just for my listeners and stuff, would you like to tell them a little bit more about yourself? I know you're a high school teacher. Absolutely. So I am a high school teacher. I am a married woman. I'm 40 years old and I married my high school sweetheart, somebody I met when I was 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And um, that's a long time to, to be with, with one person. And um, one morning I, I woke up and I realized that I was dissatisfied and um things weren't going how I expected them to go. And I kind of lost touch with, with myself and my sexual side and, you know, what I wanted and what I needed, uh, what I liked and something in me just snapped. And I mentioned this snap quite descriptively in my book uh, or my first book, Tinderella Diary. Uh, the very beginning of this book talks about, you know, how it led up to, to this point where I snapped and what caused me to snap. But I decided that I needed something else. And um, so I downloaded Tinder and I started having sex with multiple people on Tinder right away. I wasn't looking. Right. Just to... like, was there any nervousness in it or was it just, oh, like, there was a lot to do this. There, there was a lot of nervousness. Um, I wasn't looking for romance. I wasn't looking for love. I was looking for a good time. Um, the first uh, encounter, we were both very nervous. It was another, you know, a, a, a man who was lonely and was looking for a connection. And I was looking for somebody real that my first um day on tinder i was seeing these profiles with these airbrushed instagram models and that wasn't what i was looking for i wanted a real person who wanted a real connection so the first um encounter we were both very nervous and um it was kind of a, a home run he was a nice person we had a good time 
Um, you know, we both kind of got what we wanted out of it, I think. And it led me down a road where I was able to discover what I liked and what I wanted and what I was willing to do. Uh, I held back a lot the first time. There was lots of things that I wasn't ready to do, but it was also, there was this, let's get it over with. <laughs> I wanted to get it over with. Once I got it over with, like once the, you know, the door was unlocked and all the animals ran out and you, you couldn't get that wild animal back in the cage. So I, I started doing that for a little while. And then about a month into it, I thought this needs to be a, a book. These things, the people that I was meeting, the stories that I was hearing, the adventures that I was having, I thought this is hilarious. You know, sex is funny. <laughs> it can be at times. It's um, naughty. It's passionate. It's wild. It was it was me in this sex cells. It, it sure does. Make a book about it. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, I figured, you know, somebody will want to hear this story. You know, maybe it's a, a, a woman in my situation that didn't maybe didn't snap in the way that, that I did and, and actually went on and did all these things, but maybe it's somebody who's unsatisfied in, in their marriage and, and wants an outlet for it. And I think originally that would, that's what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. um, however, um, I've have, I have two Tinderella diary books that I've published and I'm working on the third one. So it's going to be a trilogy. It's going to end after the third book. I've decided that definitively, but my fan base I've noticed has been largely male, even though I wrote it for, you know, these, these housewives. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that men are interested in a sexually Good liberated time. woman, you know, somebody who is unapologetically sexual, um, learning what she wants, knows what she wants, isn't afraid to talk about it, um, admit it. You know, there's some, you know, not everything is pretty, not everything is, is beautiful. But I find that the majority of my fan base at this point are are men wanting to hear these stories and live through these stories and um, enjoy these stories. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm a little bit back and forth. I, I want women to read it and enjoy it. There's a lot about self-acceptance and um, living your life. And that's for anybody, not just women, men, you know, whatever um, gender or sexuality you are. It's It's about figuring out what what makes you happy and, and going for it. We, we tend to, to wait for, you know, I got to lose that 10 pounds or I got to meet that right person, or I have to wait until I have this amount of money, or I have to wait till the kids are grown up. And, mm -hmm. and the, the overwhelming theme of the book is just, you know, live your life while, while you have it. And um, one of the biggest factors there was um, uh, COVID was a reality. So I was six months into my Tinderella adventures when COVID hit and everything changed. And, you know, I would meet a guy who's, I'll see you in three weeks. And, you know, guess what? There's no three weeks, you know, the borders was closed. Everybody was at home. Everybody's spouses were at home. Nobody could fuck around anymore. Um, things got nuts. <laughs> People, did. People weren't worrying about hooking up. It seems like at the way beginning of COVID people were worrying about getting water, you know? You know, I, I, I would have to disagree with that. Um, okay. I would say that the, um, you know, sale of sex toys spiked immediately wow. at the beginning of COVID. Um, Pornhub went out saying that, you know, porn is free. And that this wasn't months later. This was in March <laughs> of last yeah. year. You know, oh, sex uh, is yeah, what I was trying to say is like the way yeah. beginning of it. But yeah. you're right. You got to. I mean, yeah, I mean, sur survival is <laughs> is paramount. But second to survival is is sex it's a human instinct and um you know people were being kept away from it so 
you know, we had to come up with different ways to, to explore that while we were figuring out how to get toilet paper and water and not die and stuff. And, you know, it's all about weighing the risk. Even Tinder was like, well, we shouldn't be meeting up right now, but you could, you know, like cyber fuck each other. Like, you know what, come on, (laughs) people are still meeting. People are still fucking. It's always going to happen. It's just, you know, make good choices and try to be safe. And it just reminded me of a funny song. I'm going to send it to you after this. Okay. Which song? Uh, it's called, it's called sexting by Bo Burnham. <laughs> okay. It's funny. it's funny. It just has to do with what you said, but I have so many questions. Thank you for sharing all that. No so, problem. So interesting. But I, I, I don't know if you know this. I'm a man. I like yes. to identify as a man and uh, okay. I, I have a lot of other man friends. And uh, just yesterday, I was telling one of my buddies about you. And, uh, you know, I was excited for the show, you know, interesting character, interesting story and all of that. Yeah. Stuff. And um, sometimes I kind of wish I had some of my guy friends in here for or just friends in general for with my guests, because I, I really want to know what their opinions are yeah. on, on like what they have or what you would have to say. And things like that because um I'm, i feel like i'm pretty i don't really have a side on things and and i feel like a lot of my friends especially the single ones will always kind of like i don't know i don't want to be like if they're like misogynist or anything but they're just kind of always like ah women think this way and this yeah. and that. that's why they're like this but i'm like you know what i want to get like a smart intelligent person to kind of like debate with them and then just kind of sit back and 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 see what happens and and so like if for me i i feel like i'd want to play like devil's advocate or something right and kind of just but it's really hard for me to kind of you know put words in another person's mouth or or maybe i could just put on a bunch of what if scenarios like yeah uh, I, I mean my first question was going to be about what age was a snap but you kind of answered that with referencing covid so i'd say it was a snap around like a year or two ago yeah, it was two two summers ago was okay. the snap, um, you know, right in the middle of summer. So I had um, about nine months of going wild and, and then things started to change. And, you know, when your options are limited, you know, you figure out ways to, to I mean, we all did, whether, you know, whether it was work or, you know, life or childcare, or sexual, whatever the needs were, we all figured out a way to, to get through it. But yeah, I was, I was just um, learning to enjoy myself. And one of the things that I was starting to enjoy the most, like right in February was I was actually starting to, to date, to go to a restaurant and have dinner with somebody or have drinks with somebody. And that was something that I had avoided for a long time. I was using sex as an icebreaker, (laughs) you know, let's get to know each other. Let's, let's see how this feels. And then if we like each other, we can go to dinner we can get drinks. And then I started to realize in February that I was enjoying having dinner with somebody, having conversation, maybe, or maybe not having sex with them. But, um, that was an interesting evolution that started to happen. And then Cove was like, Nope, no restaurants. Fuck you back to the, uh, back to the backseat of the car. (laughs) Do you mind me asking you how old is your, you said you have a son, just one son? I do. Yes. Yeah. He's uh, seven years old. So he's my first choice. He's the one that all my decisions are centered around. So I'm a mom first uh, and then I take care of my own needs. So there's never going to be like a revolving door of dicks around (laughs) my house, around my child. It's just, it's not. 
what is your opinion on um, girls who do OnlyFans and and people talking about, oh, when your son grows up, he's going to get bullied because his mom's on OnlyFans. Have you heard anything along those lines? Well, yes. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who are um, famous for their sexuality and sexual choices that that have children. And, you know, there, it, there is something to consider. Um, but I think it's important to let your children know. And it's it's difficult because it there's age appropriate ways to do it. But we are humans. And, you know, we have a tendency to whitewash or cover things up for our kids, especially when it comes to uh, mental illness, um, addiction, sex. Like we pretend that these things don't exist. Mm -hmm. And what I've noticed in my life is that the best kind of parenting are the parents who are honest about what their struggles are. Um, and there's the opposite. There's the hypocritical parenting where it's like, well, I, I'm a drinker, I'm a smoker, or I'm this, but you can't do that. And mm -hmm. the one thing that kids smell is, is that hypocritical behavior. Um, but if you're honest with your kids about, you know, you know, whatever it is, whether it's the, you know, your sexual choices, your, your history, your, your uh, mental struggles, your struggles with substances and kids grow up and realize that they can make choices and, and to be honest about that choices about those choices instead of thinking that everything is perfect. So, um, you know, you, you don't have to tell your kids every detail about your, your, your sex life. And I, I certainly don't, but, um, you know, yeah, maybe someday he's going to read, read the books or hear about the books and, and people will say things. Uh, my opinion on, on OnlyFans, it's, um, supplier demand. Um, the demand is out there and the supply will exist. You know, sex work is, is the, the oldest profession known to humankind and it's not going anywhere, but I don't think there's any shame in, um, in any of it. And it's just how you, you talk with your kids about it. I think if you cover it up and all that, you know, they're going to find out and then they're going to be humiliated. Um, I have a friend growing up. I actually wanted to talk to him about this. His mother was a, a comedian. She was a stand-up comedian, really nasty, gross sexual humor. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to ask him, you know, what was it like growing up with your mom like that? She must have been a sexual person. She must have had men on. Hello? I think your audio cut out, Miss Alexia. Me. That's funny. If we realize that our um, our parents are human and our parents learned and grew from their mistakes and they've owned their mistakes, it's easier for our kids to do that instead of kids growing up being um, terrified of everything or anxious or thinking that they have to be perfect or thinking that they're not allowed to have struggles because their parents never shared theirs with them or their parents, you know, I mean, the world is changing anyways in, in terms of how we think about you know, mental illness and substance abuse and, and those kinds of things, which I think is great, but it's a slow process. You got me thinking about my parents. Are your parents still with you? My parents are still with me. They still live here in, um, in LA in the same house I grew up in. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's a dream. I, like, I, I don't know. I always want my parents to just still be alive when I'm in my 40s. I don't, I'm trying to do the math here. Is my dad going to be alive when I'm 40? Maybe. I'll just assume well, maybe. <laughs> but you, um, you never know. My parents are also on the older end of the spectrum. So they had me later on in life. So even when I was a little kid, they were always older, you know, 20 years older than yep. my friend's parents. But yep. the fact that they're still around, um, I'm grateful.
you know, even oh. when parents get annoying or whatever, they're, they're there for me and I'm there for them. And that's, I realize that I'm very lucky. How old were your parents when they had you? Um, my dad was 40 and my mom was 38. Okay. Yeah, my dad was 40 and my mom was uh, 27, 28, something like that. But what you were talking about with like parents and learning from their mistakes and things like yeah. that, it, it's got me thinking, you yeah. know, I'm 26. I'm kind of new to being an adult. Yeah. And um, I don't know, I'm just learning more and more about my parents as I get older. And I just kind of, I kind of like wonder, I wonder what they're still hiding from me. You know, like I wonder what is there something that is going on behind the curtains that they feel like it's important to hide from me because maybe they're ashamed of it or whatever, but yeah. who knows, it might be very, it might've been very important to my growth or whatever. Um, but moving yeah. on. Uh, I, I just have to say, I feel the same way. There are a lot of things that I would like to ask my parents while they're still around that I'm a little bit scared to, you know, about their past and their history. And there's things that I, um, suspect that I would like to talk about, especially, you know, when I realized that I was a very, you know, sexually liberated woman, I kind of figured, you know, this comes from somewhere. Um, oh, and I know my, my mom's a little bit on the naughty side. So I kind of want, right. I bet she's got stories that she'd like to tell as well. My dad never had the talk with me. No, know? I never did that. My parents were just good at innuendo and sort of sweeping things under the rug, but <laughs> the closest my dad ever said was I don't want grandkids you need to use a condom if you don't know how to I will show you but I'm sure you can figure it out that's like the most we've ever talked about sex ever. yeah <laughs> they um, got their their main idea across and <laughs> you heard it and I remember like when I was I don't know getting up to 18 or whatever my mom was it was almost like an accomplishment to my mom that I didn't have a girlfriend or something she's like oh mm -hmm. yeah I don't have to worry about him with girls and stuff. He just stays at home and watches Drake and Josh all day. It's cool. And then, <laughs> boom, I got a girlfriend and it, her whole world flipped upside down. She was all, ah, and I'm like, you were making fun of me. And now, like, <laughs> like I don't know, it's almost, I was kind of venting to my friend yesterday. I just have this feeling of like, it feels like my mom just doesn't believe in me. She just wants me to work a job and go to school and not do anything. <laughs> Well, and, you know, she just wants what's best for you and isn't oh. really sure what that is. But um, it's funny because I have a nephew who, who is your age and we thought the opposite about him growing up. Like we, we thought that he was going to be the little white kid that like shoots up the school because he's all depressed and crazy and shit. And he, he was very shy and he didn't have any friends. And then one day he came home with this girlfriend and we were all like, holy shit. Like <laughs> we, we were just like our jaws dropped. And <laughs> oh, man. We're ready for grandkids. That's for sure. <laughs> oh my God. Well, what, what, <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny, but I, I got another question though, which is very important. I believe um, your husband. So I'm assuming you're still married and this whole Tinderella story and everything was beneficial to, to your marriage. Correct. Uh, well, it was beneficial to me. Um, mm -hmm. he, he, he doesn't know any of it. Um, we're not no, you have in a an book? open marriage. So this is my life that I, that I live, um, oh. secretly. Um, <laughs> uh, not only that, but I, I write about it. So it, it's almost like I have a, a triple life. So there's the, the, the me that goes to work and raises the kids and acts like a normal human being. And then there's the sexual me that does all these crazy things that, uh, most people in my, my life don't know about. 
And then there's the writer. So the writer, you know, me, this version of me that you're getting, I get to talk about it and I get to spill about it. Um, But most people don't know that version of me. So there are really three of me walking around. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that just like changed everything (laughs) for me that like, (laughs) I just that for one second. Hold on. Yeah. Take a deep breath. Yeah. Let me take a woosah. Hold on. Let me think about (laughs) my next response. Hold on. I would say, I mean, it did make things better because it, um, it got me off, it got me off of his back a little bit. You know, I was starting to think that, you know, monogamy is ridiculous and that it's silly for one person to expect another person to meet all of their needs, sexual and social and, you know, clean the house and take care of the kids and, you know, make me come three times a day, like whatever it is. And the fact that there were other people that were handling those things, you know, it, it, it took a, a load off of him. Uh, I'm pretty damn sure he wouldn't like that if he knew that were the case, but, um, you know, I didn't have, I didn't have to be the, the nagging wife or I didn't have to be the Peggy Bundy. I know you're probably too young for that reference, but Peggy Bundy. I'm thinking of that. Is her name Peggy from the Muppets, a pig? No, I don't know what her name is, but, uh, from married with children with Al Bundy and Peggy Bundy, where she's always nagging him for sex. And he's like, no, he's trying to avoid it. I've never watched the show, but I've heard of it. I've seen it. all. Yeah. You're too young, but it was a, it's a nineties thing for sure. Hey, I was born in the nineties. Um, (laughs) right. Um, (laughs) you're watching it from your crib. Yeah. (laughs) Do you live with your husband? I do. Okay. Yeah. He's in the other room. That just sounds. That just sounds very like, <laughs> that just sounds so secret agent. It just sounds so like, I don't know, like if I were to put myself in your shoes from, if I were to do that even right now and, and, and live, you're not scared that he can just kind of catch a glimpse of like being in the other room. And maybe he just heard like, oh, he doesn't know any of this. And like that, does that ever cross your mind or anything? Yes, every day. Um, you know, there's a lot of denial that goes on. There's also some alcohol issues that go on. And I think I I sort of take take advantage of the fact that he has his poison and I have mine. And um, that was a little bit of my rationale for it. I, I don't, you know, despite everything I've been through, I don't see myself um, as an adulteress. I, I saw myself as a woman who was faithful for over two decades and was just up against a wall and decided I needed to do what was right for me and, and healthy for me. And I, I see it as sort of a, you know, when you're on an airplane and they tell you to secure your, your, your mask before you secure your child's or whatever, I had to take care of my, myself and figure out who I was before I figured out, you know, what, what my next steps were and what I really wanted. And my initial instinct was sex. That's what I wanted. And that's what I needed. And that's what I needed to explore at that time. Um, you know, I was with my high school sweetheart through my late teen years, through my twenties, through my college years, I never got to do the things that everybody else did. I never, um, and, and some of them were great. Like I never got stood up on dates. I never had one night stands with drunken people at bars. I never, I never did that stuff, but I never got to date. I was never courted. I was never taken out. Um, I just kind of went from a situation where I was a, I was a kid. And then all of a sudden I was in college and we were living together and then we were married and then we had jobs and we had a family and I never got, you know, my twenties just disappeared. So I think part of this evolution was that I was trying to, to recapture what I had missed. And at the time I wasn't missing anything. I was young and I was in love and I was happy. Um, 
but then, you know, a decade or two passed by and you're like, wait a minute, I never got to have a threesome or I never got to, you know, have sex in a car, just, you know, random things that, you know, people do. Uh, Can I, I, I want, before I say it, I 100% hear you and I respect it. And uh, I understand it to to an extent, I guess, because I've never really gone through that yet. But, but with everything that you've told me and stuff, I understand it, that two decades of marriage and all that stuff. But I guess the, the only burning question I kind of have is like, um, out of respect for your husband, it's kind of like, what about him? Like, does, do you ever think that he kind of has those same feelings? You know, a man can also feel like I want to have a threesome. I want to have sex in a car, whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, one, one of the things that I realized is that we are sexually very different. So his, you know, he may be just as or he may have been, you know, just as bored or whatever as I was, but he doesn't have that, the sense of, of adventure. He, he's very loyal and and he may want different things to do with me or have things more exciting with me, but, um, he also, he has a lot of hangups. So he he doesn't want to have sex in a car. He doesn't want to try different positions. He doesn't want to do those things. And that was something that I real, I didn't realize that until after I started with other people is that um, some people are adventurous and some people want to do these things. Yeah. Um, One of the themes of the book is that it's not about hurting anybody. I I don't, I never wanted to hurt him. Um, I never wanted to hurt any of my partners, even though I was lying about being married. So my, my Tinder profile is I'm a single, you know, um, single mom um, exploring life after a long relationship. Uh, So I created this persona for myself when I was seeing these men, you know, this was, this was this version of Lexi that I was um, because I didn't want people, you know, it, it, it wasn't because I wanted to to lie to anybody. It was because I didn't want people knowing too much information about me. I didn't want them knowing the truth. I didn't want to put my family at risk. So, um, you know, I covered those things up to protect myself and to protect my family. But at the same time, I was honest that I was not looking for a a relationship. So I didn't want anybody to get hurt. I didn't want anybody to fall in love. I didn't want, you know, I didn't want anything like that. I just wanted a good time. So obviously when there are human beings and human feelings involved, um, things happen. And that's why there's (laughs) three books worth of, of material and in each volume of Tinderella Diary, there's a little bit different of, of what is being explored. So in the second book, she gets a little bit, she meaning me, I'm talking about myself in the third person. It's so weird. Um, there's a little bit more of an exploration of group sex, um, sex clubs and parties. That's a, a road that she, me, decided to travel down. Uh, and in the third book, it, it gets more complicated. So she's been doing this for nine months uh, going into the third book and COVID has just happened and there starts to be deeper relationships. There starts to be regulars, you know, it's about meeting a new guy and fucking mm-hmm. um, there yeah. are regulars or people that, that come back into my life after a period of not being after my life or people that I start to see regularly um, and have different kinds of friendships and relationships with even tumultuous ones. Um, so that's how things start to change from the very beginning. It's just a, 
just a woman looking for a good time. And then she, you know, her version of what is a good time evolves as, as she goes through her journey. You sold me. I think I'll read it and I don't read, I can barely read half a book. So I'm, I think you, I think you can get through this, <laughs> I'll, man. I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, I, I would love to ask for a copy of your book, but I'll buy it. If you really, I'll probably buy it. Um, well, you can buy it on um, Amazon. There is a paperback version and there is a Kindle ebook version. Um, if people who are subscribers to Kindle Unlimited, they can read the book for free. If they're not, it's a couple of bucks to buy the um, the Kindle version. And it's quick reading. You know, it's um, the chapters. There are 104 chapters in the book, but mm-hmm. some of them are short, like a page. And okay. I don't think there are any that are more than like four or five pages. So it's really quick, easy reading. Book. And it's erotica. You know, there's a purpose to it. And the purpose is to excite and arouse, but there's also a story. There's heart, there's humor. It's funny. Um, you know, I'm dealing with, I'm a, a real person, you know, I have, um, periods and I have bad moods and I have, you know, um, encounters with men who can't get erections or, you know, that there's so many different things that come into play. So it, you might enjoy it. And I think your readers might enjoy it too. And there's also, you can download, uh, free samples of both both books that have been um, published so far, the Tinderella Diary Volume 1 and uh, Tinderella Diary Volume 2. So you can take a look at samples of it to see where they're, where it's going. Do I have your permission to read it on the podcast? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, Everybody finds something different that they like about the book. There's, there's certain chapters that are very popular for certain reasons based on, you know, whatever sex is going on or or the stories or uh, women tend to like some of the characters and get connected to some of the male characters. Whereas the male readers like, Oh, she had anal sex for the first time. That's a fun chapter. Oh, she went to a sex club for a first time. That's a fun chapter. So everybody takes something different away from it. Um, Uh, What what do you teach in high school? (laughs) Uh, I'm an English teacher. Okay, beautiful. I, I was banking on English teacher because I was like, okay, if you're writing books, now you don't need a spell checker. So you got that out the way because you say you do everything yourself, right? <laughs> well, don't let don't let me off the hook. Um, the, the first book um, was my first foray into self-publishing and, and I, I did hire editors to look at the work, but it it's, you know, I when, when I finish the series and publish all three books, I'm going to go back and clean up the first book. It's not terrible. But for people who are super picky, you know, there are some typos in there that that I'm ashamed of. But, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a, it's a long book. And um, there were many revisions that were made. So e- even some of the typos were were there after the revision. So they're like fresh typos. So I'm definitely going to go back and clean that up because I'm yeah. a little bit ashamed of that. But <laughs> it's how, how definitely um, readable. It doesn't really detract from from the story. Unless you got the comma here, I'm done. Right. (laughs) Exactly. How long have you been an English teacher for? I have been an English teacher for 15 years. Is that what you went to college for? Yes. Okay. That's cool. You kind of laughed. You kind of giggled. Is there is there something about it? Did I mishear you? No, you got it. (laughs) Oh, what's what's so funny about that? I don't remember the question. <laughs> oh, the question was, did you go to college for 
Like, was that your whole reason as to going to college was to be a high school teacher? Have you always wanted? Uh, yeah, to be a yeah, I, I knew I was going to be a teacher. It was a calling. I didn't always know, you know, was it going to be high school? Was it going to be college? Was it going to be mm-hmm. something, you know? But I, it, yeah, being a teacher is a calling. We just know it's How horrible. It's a curse. It's horrible. Well, <laughs> it's a blessing uh, we, and a we, curse. We could get into the whole like maybe unfair pay for teachers and stuff, but uh, yeah, what, <laughs> don't get uh, me started. We're supposed to be having a good time. <laughs> have you have you uh, taught anything besides high schoolers? I've taught college. I've taught little kids. Yeah, I've taught everything. Would you ever consider like being in college and having one of your books be like the course <laughs> material? <laughs> Well, yes. Um, well, one of the things that I'm thinking, of, I, I don't know about any that the Tinderella diary w- would ever be something, but going through this journey, I've learned a lot about human sexuality, sexual dynamics, couples dynamic, mm-hmm. uh, how, you know, what people's kinks are, what they like, why they like it. I'm also really interested in sex from a, a scientific perspective. Um, you know, are there prehistoric reasons why we crave certain things? So once I'm done with the Tinderella diary series, I plan on writing a book that is completely nonfiction, uh, which is based on sexual sociology and sexual anthropology, because I'm fascinated about what, what turns people on. And I'm fascinated, you know, I've been spending a lot of little bit of a book, book one, book two spoiler, but I've been spending a lot of time in uh, swinger communities in the last year and a half or so. And I'm fascinated with, uh, with open couples, poly couples, swinger couples, um, cucks and bulls and stags and vixens. And I'm just, it's amazing at what turns people on. And now that I'm in the, the erotica writers community, there's a lot of um, fetishes that are built into erotica subgenres. And obviously BDSM is a huge one right now, you know, thanks to 50 shades of gray and those types of things, but the, the, the kinkier and more taboo uh, a piece of erotica is it's going places. People want to read about this nasty shit. And I'm wondering, where does this come from? Um, so I'm really, and, and I'm wondering, you know, what are the boundaries of normal, healthy sexuality? You know, what is, when is a foot fetish cute? And when is it like, oh God, I can't get a boner unless I look at someone's foot. Mm. So, so I'm kind of exploring, I want to explore what these lines are, where these kinks and habits come from. Um, you know, what is, what it, were the boundaries of normal, healthy sexuality? And so, yes, I'm thinking that that's going to be my fourth book. And I'm thinking that's going to be something that's in you know, <laughs> the canon of sociological literature someday, like right now, the, the ethical slut is a really popular book about um, non-monogamy or open lifestyles. I haven't read it, but I, everybody that I know has read it and it's very po- popular. And I think that people want to read about, I mean, you know, sex sells, but people want to know why, why am I this way? Why do I like this? Um, <laughs> yeah. Why I... is the world like this? What the, what the fuck is wrong with us? <laughs> But I also, I celebrate sex. My books are a celebration of sex. And, you know, why are we so ashamed of these weird little kinks that we have? Why are we ashamed that, you know, that we watch porn or what kind of porn that we watch um, or who we want to be with or what are, you know, these secret little things that we hide about ourselves? Like, I think we should wear a sexuality like like we support a sports team. I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a swinger. I like three dicks in, in, in a night, you know, 
why don't we just advertise these things about ourselves? If we go in that direction, kids are not going to get bullied for their moms being on OnlyFans. It'll just be, it'll just be like sports and kind of like what you said uh, earlier. It's, I don't know. It, it makes it seem like this kind of stuff is getting way more normalized. And it's like, yeah, future in a weird in a weird dimension or something it's almost going to be like you're going to get bullied if your mom's not on OnlyFans and be like ah your mom doesn't make any money on OnlyFans you got bad genetics or I've never I've never seen your mom's boobs shame on yeah. you yeah what's wrong with her like you know and then I kind of think about that I kind of think about like how the internet is going and how much yeah. harder it is to censor anything censor stuff that goes on in the government yeah. and all of that we're just going to be so open and yeah um, I, I think it works both ways too I, I'm talking to a lot of people who are asexual and I've never I don't really understand what that is and where it comes from but I don't think people should be ashamed of their sexuality no no matter what it is so for me I consider myself to be a hypersexual woman my my libido is way above average I don't want to be shamed for that I don't want to be slut shamed or or any, anything of the sort, but if somebody doesn't have a libido, that's fine too. You know, let's all just live and, and support each other and, and not judge people based on what, what they do and what they don't do sexually. Like that's done. Those days are over. Like, <laughs> and, and judging a human being by their, you know, their a human beings, morality, by their sexual choices, that's, that's gotta go. And I know that's a, a lot of that is based in religion, or maybe most of that is based in religion, but are you, you a know, religious person? Not at all. <laughs> okay. Were you raised religious or no? I am Jewish by heritage, but I'm mm-hmm. non-practicing. My parents never uh, shoved it down my throat. I didn't have a, a bat mitzvah. Okay. Uh, my husband, my husband, the same way. He's Christian, but he doesn't. Um, he isn't practicing. He doesn't go to church. Um, mm-hmm. Our kid, you know, whatever he decides, you know, we're fine with. But um, you know, why this shame? Why this? judgment of a, of a human being based on their sexual predilections i think it's ridiculous um like the whole um gay rights thing you know not too many years ago it was right? very hard to get married as a gay person mm-hmm. and now it's it's super normalized there's this rapper called the baby who said some <laughs> homophobic slurs i guess and nobody's everybody's canceling him and it's crazy how how much things have changed 10 years you know, 10 years ago, 2008 or whatever, you can make a movie and use the F word in it. And I'm, and right. I'm not talking about fuck. Yeah, yeah I know which shit, word. <laughs> yeah, that shit will win an Oscar. Now you use that word, you're out. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I think, you know, I have a lot of things to say about sexuality too. I think that we like to label people gay, straight, bi, that everybody falls in one of those categories. Mm-hmm. And most of us don't fall in either of those categories. And uh, for me, I consider myself to be a straight woman, but I'm a hedonist. And for me, sex is about pleasure and what feels good feels good. And it's ridiculous that somebody shames themselves for craving a feeling that maybe doesn't ascribe to their, hmm. their, um, sexuality norm like if you if you're a guy and you feel like sucking a dick like suck a dick like why do we have to go into therapy over it or it's it's okay or if if you feel like taking a dick like take you know take a dick it's not the end of the world about this okay i've had this debate (laughs) with one of my friends for years and he no one's on his side everyone's on the opposite side of this 
he <laughs> all right is it <laughs> is it gay if you're in a relationship with a woman and you're a man and she fucks you in the ass with a strap on are you gay no the only thing that makes a person gay is having sexual desire for another man it's not the act itself so i know a lot of men that are that consider themselves straight that are interested in in pegging um but no it's not the act that makes you gay it's it's who you have the sexual desire for now if he's on the other end of that you know fantasizing about another man then yeah he's gay as fuck but if he just enjoys the sensation of taking a cock in his ass he's not gay because from what i understand it's an extremely pleasurable orgasm so straight guys bisexual guys gay guys like everybody should have a prostate orgasm (laughs) i i hear i hear (laughs) i hear that too i'm part of the problem i'm on the other side and we'd always call him gay but i i now that i'm older and more mature i I hear you. I, yeah. I I understand. Like, I guess part of me of calling him gay is just kind of fucking around. But maybe, maybe. That's, like that's how most of the world kind of like says it. Or I'm just kind of representing maybe the fake side of it. But maybe if I you wanna, know, it, like, it comes a lot with age too. I've met a lot of men that in their in their fifties or late forties, they're like, "Hey, this feels good. I'm gonna try it." And then all of a sudden, they're like bisexual as fuck, and they went all their life thinking that they were straight. So. there's a, it's, there's a blurry line between what feels good and what we want. And I've been in sexual situations with bisexual men where they'll do gay shit. Like they won't kiss each other. They won't cuddle with each other, but everything else is all good. So sometimes it's just what feels good. And we, we, we hold ourselves back because we think society is going to shame us. With with calling it gay, with calling like taking a a strap on (laughs) to the, or pegging or whatever. Right. um, I, I think I'm projecting my own insecurities or uncomfortability because of course the, only thing, the, the only thing that ever comes out of my ass is my shit. And sometimes I'll take a shit and I'll look in the toilet and be like, that's bigger than my cock. Like but if that was <laughs> fucking me, I would not like, and I, I, there's nothing I hate more in the world than taking a shit. Like if you're, if you're <laughs> planning to attack me or something, the most vulnerable I am is in the middle of taking a shit. I will, I'll that's probably die. Probably you probably true. don't even touch me. <laughs> And so it's very hard for me to relate that or like translate that into like a sexual pleasure. And it's just, I'm just no, like I always think about it if I was in jail, you know, and somebody tried to fuck me in the ass, man, I'm going to be so tight. I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be like, bro, get the fuck up. And what I mean by tight, I mean by, I mean by clenching myself and resisting. And right. Well, you know, most people who are, you know, men who give anal sex to women or other men like you don't just jam it up in there it's it's a process <laughs> so yeah you, your fear of what would happen in prison like i mean for one thing that's it's non-consensual and it's yeah. rape and when people aren't turned on things don't feel good but you know it takes time to you know some dudes will experiment with a finger or a tongue you know a sensation or a tiny little something up there and then you know 6 months later they've graduated to like thick ass 9 inch dildos but yeah, it's a slippery slope for sure. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, there's a difference between something that scares the crap out of you and something that is that is consensual. You know, right. I don't think of having something huge shoved up there the first time is going to feel good for anybody. But <laughs> done talking about dicks up the ass. I just all right. Let's, I want to <laughs> take a couple of steps back because I mean, shit. I'm, maybe I'll mention it one more time before this ends. But I. 
I was listening to you talking about, you know, a lot of doing things for the first time and stuff like yeah. that. And it's really, it's really, it's, it's really hard for me to kind of keep moving on and beating around the bush without this being on my mind. Cause it's really kind of yeah. killing me. I just don't know how to, I don't know how to uh, construct this, this question here. It's like you said, you know, trying anal for the first time, probably like three years ago or something like that. And, and sex and car, those are the only two examples I could remember or threesomes or anything like that. And I just keep thinking about your husband. I just keep, mm -hmm. I just keep thinking about like how, I mean, I know you have the answers because it's you. It's just out of all the years of, out of all the decades of, how old were you guys when you got married? Well, we met, we met when I was 16 and mm -hmm. we've been, we've been married. I, we were, what do you call it? Um, <laughs> living in sin for about 10 years before we got married. So yeah, we've got a, two decades together, but got um, married around 26. There you go. Um, right. <laughs> he He's just got more hangups. Like he would, you know, he's twice your age ish, but um, he's, he would not feel comfortable with the, with a dick in his ass or a tongue in his ass or, or anything in his ass. And, um, yeah. and that's one, it's his prerogative, but two, it's like, you know, how do you know until you try? So I'm more on the, how do you know until you try spectrum of, of sexuality in general? Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy being adventurous and open-minded and trying new things. Um, if there's something that I try that I know I don't like, then, then no, I won't do it again. Or I won't <laughs> do it with that person try it with somebody else. Yeah. But he's decided what he's open to and what he's not open to. And I can't do anything about it. So what age do you think he was fully aware of what he liked and didn't like? I'm not sure, but I think um, settling into age, it's kind of like, a, this is how I am sort of a thing. And he's not really interested in, in changing. And, and that to me is my worst fear sexually is not being able to change and grow and and enjoy things anymore, especially now that I'm starting to fine tune. Well, starting <laughs> that I'm I'm fine tuning what I like and what I enjoy. I don't ever want to be no. I'm not, I don't want to do that. You know, unless it's something that's that's painful. But um, the idea of being open minded sexually is something that I take pride in, and it's something that I enjoy. So I don't ever want that desire, that sense of adventure, to go away. What What do you think about this? Because you're 40, your husband's 40. Do you have, do you imagine yourself being 70, 80 years old and being as like sexual as you are? Like, yes, is, it's that big of, see, like, I don't know why I'm so young and I always just kind of assume <laughs> when right, I old get, people don't fuck. <laughs> I just assume I'm not going to be interested. I just feel like I'm going to be so busy with other shit. Like maybe like every now and then I'll fuck, but it's just, it doesn't seem like I would be like, for it as much well that's the problem with with life getting in the way you know you get married and you have kids and um you don't want to do those things every day or one person does and one person doesn't there you know there's I, i've talked to a lot of um unhappily married men in my journeys and it's all you know somebody wants sex more than the other one the, the timing is off or, you know, somebody's stressed from work. For me, work stress is the biggest libido sapper. So yes, life does get in the way. Um, but there are ways to freshen it up again. Now I'm adjacent to the swinger community. I'm not technically 
in it because I'm, I don't swing, but I fuck around with swingers all the time, but that's how they, they get around it. So they may not get excited about, about fucking their husband or fixing themselves up or going on a date with their husband. But when they bring other people into the mix, that adds another level to it. Um, so yeah, life does get in the way. Having children gets in the way, um, having children get older and, um, change their sleeping habits gets in the way COVID gets in the way when everybody's at home and you can't send your kid anywhere. Um, you know, what do you do? So life does happen. And it's up to, you know, if if two people want to spend the rest of their lives in a committed monogamous relationship, they need to take active steps into paying attention to each other and listening to each other and figure out, you know, people change even Mm -hmm. me, you know, or anybody from day to day, you know, sometimes we want it 10 times a day, every day. And then sometimes like, I can can live without it. But um, in general, you know, sex is more important to to some people than others. um, And it does fluctuate. So it's just a matter of, you know, figuring out your partner and communicating. Like with us, we don't have sexual communication at all. Like there's no meeting of the needs. So I figure that out in other avenues. Would you say sex is one of your top passions? I would say it's, it's up there. It's, it's a top three for sure. Top three. What are the other two? Your son? Of course. And your husband? um, Sure. (laughs) No, I'll let you really give an answer. I'm sorry for putting words in your mouth. Um, I'm just saying it's, it's a top three. You know, I have my, my hobbies and my, and things that I like to do, but uh, it is important to me. So because it's important to me, I'm always going to find a way to, to make sure that it's part of my life. And I don't know what's going to happen. I hear that um, menopause is a huge factor for women. You know, their libido drops tremendously. So I'm fearing that, but I also know, oh my gosh, these swinger women in their fifties, they are hot. They fuck like crazy. So I want to be them when I grow up. I don't want to be the, you know, the frumpy housewife that doesn't know. Yeah. We have choices. (laughs) I get one thing about me is like, and I'm so curious with your story and everything because mm. I'm I'm engaged. I'm I have someone who I've been with for over seven years. I've been with them since I've known them since I was 18, but I've been with them since I was 19. We live together. Okay. We have a Ooh. house. Okay. Um, and so I don't know, but I have I would say already at 26, I have done the exploring that your husband wasn't willing to do it. Right. Tried that helps the anal and, and the sex. We were having sex in cars before we, that was our only option. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and uh, I don't know. I, I that, that's why I didn't want to like, feel like I talked down on your husband or anything. Cause a part of me just feels like, ah, but at the same time, it's him, you know, he, it's his, yeah. um, he, you know, he knows what he likes. It's not a hundred percent his responsibility to, um, satisfy your needs yeah we, t- we took an oath man <laughs> yeah <And laughs> we took an oath they had to oh. put that in our vows no oh. <laughs> you know i i've had a lot of um women read my book and say oh that was me in my 20s so mm-hmm. i wasn't doing those things in my 20s so i was you know reborn yeah. uh, as a 40 year old woman doing these things but you know there are a lot of women that say yeah i was doing these threesomes and fucking around and going to these wild parties and but that's what you're supposed to do. Um, find yourself, figure yourself out. I wasn't doing that. So I'm a little bit um, uh, wary of, you know, younger couples that 
start young, stay together young, and, and don't get those chances to, to try those things. So I think in, in your case, the fact that you and your fiance have done that is, is going to help tremendously because you're not going to wake up when you're 45 and wonder what it, what it feels like to, to do these other things. But if you do, that's a conversation that you have with your partner. And if your partner mm-hmm. is open-minded and, you know, yeah, it's, just do. Com- it's complicated. <laughs> it's uh yeah. And see, like I, I, I focus so much on the now um, there's so many things that can happen yeah. in 14 years before I'm right. 40. Absolutely. Um, and I, so I try not to hang up on it so much, but we have our, we have our moments. We have our moments where we just kind of think about like, what the fuck, like, what if we, what if we just put all this stock in this and then we just wake up mm-hmm. one day and, you know, like you say, people change and I fear it a little bit, but at the same time, I have to just kind of accept it with like, you know, that is life. I don't know. You just, I I think that's a good, yeah, you can't, you know, it is what it is. Whatever will happen will happen. You know, you never know when you're going to wake up and realize that your future is something completely different from what you thought it was going to be. Um, but enjoy what you have. And if you're, if you're happy now, you're happy now. I don't think I could have went back and told my 20 something year old self to, to walk away, to go another direction to, I, I couldn't have done that. She wouldn't have listened. Um, but what I can do is figure out what I want now and what makes me happy now and, and, and work towards that. So, yeah, we can't, if, if you, um, if people get anxious about the future, I mean, there's certain things we want to be comfortable. We want to be happy, but we don't know what that means, you know, as it changes in every stage of our life. There's always going to be what ifs. Right. Thinking about it and worrying, you know, obsessing about it are are two different things. Like planning, planning and saying, saving money for your retirement. Like, yes, that's something you should do. But like worrying about who you're going to fuck when you're, when you're 50, like who cares? (laughs) You figure figure that out when you get there. (laughs) Who's a, who's the youngest person you've ever hooked up with on Tinder or dated? Um, 24. Wow. What's the difference? Like, could you tell like the mannerisms of a 24 year old was like, was it harder? I will tell you that I think my uh, husband is, is a few years older than me. So when I first started on Tinder, I thought that I was going to go the other way with, with younger men. And I basically did. So the majority of my first book, um, there are lots of men in their thirties, a couple that are younger, uh, a a couple that are older. Um, But I came to realize that, you know, I, I, I talk, I talked about this, the sex in a car thing, and it's fun when you have to have it. And that's where you are. It's not fun if it's the only place that you could have it because the dude lives with his parents or, <laughs> or mm. the dude, dude <laughs> lives on a couch. So I, I realized that right away that it's, it's fun for a minute, but I need somebody who's going to be able to host me and take care of me and take me out. So the second book sort of leads into older, more established men. And it's not because I'm a gold digger. I, you know, I make my own living. I have, you know, but I want to be comfortable. And, um, I do feel that older men have more, um, understanding of what makes a woman work, you know, just through simple trial and error and going through things. So, um, generally older men know how, how their bodies work, what their limitations are, um, you know, what they can do, what they can't do. How many years do I have? 
Okay, it it depends. So I I'm joking. Be, be, well, look, because I go to these sex clubs, I've seen men in their 50s, 60s and 70s having a great time. That said, I've been with, you know, 25, 30, 40 year old men who can't can't get it up. It's obviously, mm-hmm. you know, nerves and and the mental state is a, is a huge factor, but it's all about knowing yourself sexually and what works and then when it doesn't work, what do you what do you do? How do you how do you deal with that? So you know, some men tend to panic <laughs> and, and the more you panic, the worse it gets. And then if the woman panics, women have a tendency to feel like they're rejected. If, if he can't get hard or whatever, it's her fault. He's not attracted mm-hmm. to me. And it has fucking nothing to do with that. No, usually he's got bad <laughs> blood flow. He just needs to exercise a little bit more. That's well, what keeps it thick hard, right? I, I completely agree. I think that cardiovascular fitness is super, super important for sex. So if, if a man's in his twenties and thirties and he's out of shape, um, get your ass in shape, because if you want that shit to work when you're in your forties, fifties, and sixties, you need to be cardiovascularly fit. But that said, nerves are a factor. I've been with very, very healthy men. And when you get nervous, like you can't control what goes on down there. And the more you try, the worse it gets. And, um, take a Xanax. Yeah. Right. Mm. Well, that kind of works, you know, it, it kind of goes the other way because then the Xanax affects the, um, right, right. yeah. So it, it's just a matter of, uh, it doesn't matter what happens with the dick. There are many ways to pleasure a woman. You've got fingers, you've you got, got a tongue. Yep. Yeah. You got a tongue, which women love by the way, you've got toys. So if the dick isn't working, it's not the end of the night. You know, and who knows? It may pop up when it feels like it's ready, but guys are so worried about their, their dicks. Like women don't even care. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, unless the guy, like if he comes or whatever, and then he's done for the night, that's fucked up. But if he takes care of his woman, it doesn't matter if he's hard, if he's soft, if he's two inches, if he's 12 inches, none of that shit matters. Just make sure that she's taken care of and <laughs> you'll be a hero. <laughs> I oh yeah for me as a guy I always kind of worry about ED or of even course. just kind of um how do I say this shit testicular cancer anything that just messed yeah. up I could get bit yeah. in the dick by a dog or something you know like okay here's something that I wanted to talk about I just didn't really have time to squeeze it in I had yeah. gotten I had gotten a new kitten uh today will mark <laughs> one week since I've gotten this kitten who is not even three months old yet. And this kitten has not only reassured that I do not want children yet. Cause he cries like a motherfucker, but I have, <laughs> just, you know. like, I have just been so busy with him and we have only, we've only had sex one time. And that's, um, it's not, that's, I wouldn't say those lump, that number is super low. Like that's, Oh, that's crazy. But it's a little less than the usual, you know, it's yeah. three to four times a week, but then we cut it down to one. And um, what else was I going to say mm-hmm. about that? I fear. Oh, oh, I fear this cat scratching my fucking nuts off <laughs> because it's scratching me so much, dude. And I've always been afraid of cats and um, he'll be sitting on my lap. And sometimes I'll just be in underwear and I'll see him kind of eyeing my bulge like <laughs> oh, this is a toy and I'll, I'll kick him off immediately. I cannot have him near that. Um, so I fear losing my my genitalia, and I always just kind of think about like what would life be like, like you almost as if the same way how I kind of prepare as if you know things don't work out in my relationship or whatever I yeah. prepare for if things don't work out with my fucking sexual organs, and I just kind of yeah. think about oh. what I would do, and it's like 
back to what you're saying, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. You have fingers, you have tongues, you have ears, eyes. I, I just, right. I, I have a, a story. I, I have a gentleman who, who had a, a physical injury. He didn't really disclose to me, but he had very limited sensitivity in his penis. And he was somebody like me where sex is very, very important to him. Mm. So he went, he studied a million different ways to try to, to get himself to be able to feel more, to enjoy more. There were certain ways that he was able to have sex that, that worked better for him. And it, it was a little bit restricting for me as his partner, because I'm like, okay, like same position, same thing. But he, he did what he needed to do to make sex enjoyable for himself and for, you know, for his partner to some degree, he could have been a little bit better about that. And that's why we're not together anymore, Mm -hmm. but it hurt him. Like sex is important to me and I can't enjoy it in the same way, you know, that he used to. And it was a huge source of mental trauma for him. Um, And, you know, (laughs) being a man, you know, you associate your whole life with your penis, like your whole value as a human is around, you know, the size and the ability and the erectness. Mm -hmm. And um, he didn't have any, any problems getting erect, but he couldn't feel anything. And um, Mm -hmm. he he kept track of it. He wrote down numbers, you know, what felt good that day. And, (laughs) um, you know, I I hope that he gets it back. But at the same time, I also hope that he learns to be a more... um, uh, re- respective partners, because there are other ways to, to get pleasure besides uh, an orgasm from penile stimulation. <laughs> right. I, so, I guess um, I just, yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's normal. I feel like it would always be in the back of my head. Like I'm broken. Like if I were, were to be with my wife or something and let's say, let's say if I had ED or whatever, and, but I still did a good job at taking care of her. I just didn't get to involve the penis in it. And I know you said like, oh, we don't, women don't give a fuck. There's all this and that. I don't know. A part of me would just be super self-conscious about like, man, there's like, there's something I'm different, you know? And like, it it would make me just kind of think that my partner will always just kind of have it in the back of her head. And maybe she'd be too afraid to tell me that, that like, maybe. Well, one thing is it depends on your partner. And the other thing is we're all fucking different. And, and once we embrace that as, 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 as human, as, as humans, and I think we're learning how to do that. You know, one of the things with my high school students, they realize like with their, you know, they're all doing YouTubes and blogs and all this, all this shit. And they realize that what makes them different is their currency. It's what, it's what sets you apart. It's what makes you special. And I think your generation is, you know, you're closer to them than closer to me, but in my generation, you know, you were an outcast, you were different, you couldn't relate. And now it's what makes you the difference. We celebrate those differences more. So if you feel, you know, nobody wants to feel like they're broken or, or that they're wrong or that something doesn't work. But at the same time, you know, the more, you know, about yourself as a human being, and the more you own it, and understand it, the, the better life will be. For example, I'm thinking there's, there are different kind of men out there sexually. There are men that are like, you know, one round and I'm done. Uh, it could be one long round or one short round, depending on, on the guy. Like, you know, usually, you know, by a certain age, if you come in a couple minutes or if it takes you a couple hours, but if you know that you're exactly. done after that first round, yeah. <laughs> you know, you have a choice, whether are you going to stretch out that first round? How are you going to you know, stretch out that first round? If you don't stretch out that round and you're done, then what do you do? And then there's some men who know that they have a quicker recovery time. They just keep going. 
you know, you can be that, that battering ram and just keep fucking. And, and, you know, that's not everybody, but if you know what your strengths and your limitations are, then it makes it better for, for yourself and better for your partner. But we just try to, we, we try to think of like what everybody else is doing and what's normal for everybody else. Like, fuck everybody else. Like, this is my body. How am I going to make the best of it? Like I come too fast. How do I, how do I either, either work with that or work around that? Or I yeah. can't come at all, or I can't get hard, or you know, I want to fuck for an hour and a half, and she's done after ten minutes. I've heard that a lot. Mm. You know, a guy who takes longer to come, and his girlfriend wants to go to sleep, but right. keep her wet, keep her horny. Like you know, if if she's wet, she's gonna want to fuck all night long because it feels good. If he's just plowing away because he's trying to get himself there, and she's you know already thinking about the next episode of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm old. I don't even know. Yeah. So yeah, it's just. Um, it's about two people or however many people are involved in the act, you know, once it becomes about one person's needs, you may as well just do it by yourself. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Lot to take notes on here. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, what else do I have, man? I don't know how long we've been talking for. Has it been about an hour? Who knows? Uh, it has. <laughs> Who knows? I got a lot. I feel like I've got questions, but I, it was just so much. It was just so much. And I want to, I'll check out the book. I'll definitely check out the book. Yeah. And I'm trying to think like, yeah, there's just so much, there's just so much going on. <laughs> it's just a lot. I don't really, I don't I mean, yeah. I, I talk about this kind of stuff, but I guess I talk about it with my guy friends that are also in their twenties and their perspectives on it. So yeah. I, I feel like I always just, I'm just like in one, uh, one side of things. And, um, well, tell, tell your guy friends to, 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 um, message me because one of the things I'm on Facebook and I'm on Instagram and I've become this woman that men will confide in, um, you know, their sexual stories. They'll brag to me about things. I'll have a guy, um, a middle-aged virgin. He told me he ate pussy for the first time the other night. And I was so happy for him. I had a guy tell me he's got a new girlfriend that he's seeing. I've had a guy who's like, you know, they, they tell me their, their, their problems, their issues, their concerns. I would say like, I'm not a typical woman. So I don't, I I, I can only answer the questions from my perspective, but because I've talked to so many men, because I've fucked so many men, I know their stories. I know their issues. I know their concerns. Um, I know how other women treat them. I know that most women are not as understanding as I am about ED or or, or any of those things. And sometimes that's hard. Like if a woman's going to be like, well, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm not going to be like that. Um, But I feel like my mission in life is to counsel men to, to help them through these sexual problems and to counsel women to say, what are you doing? Like, what are you thinking about? You don't need an eight, an eight inch cock to have a good time. Like stop doing that. Um, (laughs) it doesn't matter. The the biggest thing that I'm, I'm like having a hard time wrapping my head around, I guess is, um, like, I feel like if my friends were to hear this and hear your story, a lot of them would kind of be like, let me know what you think about this. A lot of them are like, "Mm -mm, not my wife. She ain't doing that shit. You know, like, (laughs) like yesterday we were talking, one of my guy friends, uh, we were talking a lot about how men kind of treat women like property in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like I'm on the fence of like, there, there's certain times where you probably got to take charge as a man and tell it how it is. And, um, but I'm also on the side of like, uh, let a woman be herself, let her be independent. 
And when I said that, my friend was like, mm, you gotta be, you gotta be careful about the independent woman and all of this stuff. And I'm like, no, that's, yeah, that's his issue. If he, if he's intimidated by an independent woman, that's his fucking problem. That said, women are different. I know, you know, they, they kind of say that sex, people want sexually the opposite of what they are. A lot of women like to be dominated. That's not a secret. Um, and some don't, you know, some, you know, it's, it's, it's just a matter of sexual compatibility and, you know, finding the person that wants what you want. You know, a lot of men are not comfortable sharing their partner with others. Some men get off on it. You know, it's just, yeah. you know, we're, we're all different. Well, so what do you um, think about this before I lose this thought, yeah, this is, this is ahead. like the, the main thing of some of my guy friends, particularly like the ones who do be dating and, and, and don't seem to have a problem with courting and getting women. The guy who said, be uh, afraid of the independent woman has a lot of yeah. trouble courting women. And, <laughs> and, Interesting. Uh, and uh, it, those two other friends I'm talking about that don't really seem to have issues. They're all about the open relationship. Yes. Mind you, they're around my age and I'm on the opposite you know, I'm not, I'm, I just, but it's not that I'm afraid of it or anything. It's just more, I'm like, I'm not interested. I feel like I get what I need uh, through my relationship. And I've, it very rarely ever occurs in my head of like, you know, it's not killing me. Yeah. I don't, I haven't had my snap yet. And I kind of, <laughs> I would prefer to not have it. That's just me though. Um, right. But my you, friends, you I always, not. I always kind of question them. Like why? Like, you know, I always try to kind of, tell them my view on it like dude you have like a girl and but the thing uh the, the difference i'd say between them and you is that their partners are um aware of what they're doing right. so they're both kind of like going on dates i'd, I'd assume yeah well or i think you you have to be comfortable with your relationship to have it be open if you or your partner have any kind of insecurities whatsoever it's not going to work. Um, the woman, the man, like we, we all process insecurity differently, but the couples that I've seen that are most successful at being poly or open or swingers is they are comfortable in their relationship. They set very clear boundaries and they know what they want. Now, because of that, I'm get irritated dealing with them because of their fucking little rules and shit. It's like, if we want to fuck, let's just go fuck. But yeah. they know what, what they want in their relationship and they, they tend to make it work. Now, that said, I've seen, um, you know, swinger couples split after seeing what I envision in my mind, like this is a perfect situation. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I wonder if like you guys love each other. Why do you need anything exactly. else? That's but it's I'm just at. it's just toys for them. It's just yeah. it's just fun for them. And they can they can look at their at their partner that their love of their life from another bed and watch somebody else give them pleasure and that gives them pleasure i think we we tend to take all the responsibility for our partner's pleasure like i have to do it i have to be the best that they have i have to be this but I if you can just like... sit there and watch that person be be pleasured by somebody else while you are that takes a huge human being to be able to do that and that's why you know a lot of like normal people that try you know threesomes or they try to get a third in there it's a disaster because you have to deal with human emotion and mm -hmm. you know it's that, really that's tricky where i feel i kind of fall like I, I feel like i'm halfway on the side with my friends that are uh poly and then my friend that says watch out for the independent woman like he when the, my friend that says watch out for the independent woman he was like mm, not me man like the sex ain't gonna be the same if uh if they cheated on me or if they um um you know, had a threesome, like it, it always causes drama. 
And I think maybe it's just something with like younger people, because what you said about toys, uh, just like, you know, having threesomes and open relationships, they, they love, they are so confident in their love for the other person that that other shit doesn't affect them. I think that's the yeah. correct way to look at it. But I think where I'm at right now or where my peers are at, at this age, I think a lot of it has to do with just insecurity because like when I ask yeah. them about it, they don't really just bluntly say like, I don't give a fuck. Like this is what we like. We're cool with it. And I never get that answer. I always get like the, the answer of, man, I'm, I'm fucking hot. You know, like I gotta, I gotta, I'm young. I gotta like get out there before I'm old or something. It, it always just seems like they need another reassurance that they can score a woman, even though they already have one. Like it always just seems like they want to be that double champ status. They want right. to have, they yeah. want to live the single life. They want to live like, Ooh, let's see if I could get this girl's number. Let's see if I can do this. But like, they already have another girl's number. They already have someone that they talk. It's more of just like the challenge of like reassuring. Am I attractive? Am I like, can I, you know, win in society if I didn't have my woman by my side? That's what it always seems to be. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but for me, I just very normal. Think, but other friends like the watch out for the independent, it just seems like, how do I say it? It, it, it seems like um, maybe they're afraid. How do, how do I say it? He's women always have options. Men don't yes. really have options as Definitely. much. Like it's, mm -hmm. um, you know, if I, if me and my partner, we're both 26. If I, if we were to break up right now, like statistically speaking, she would have the the easier time in the dating world and yes. she probably doesn't have to do anything she right. probably could literally go to work do whatever live her life and there will be people knocking on the door like hey yes what and she doing? will have options right yes mm -hmm. it's, it's, me, it's, a, it's a numbers game for women yeah. and w women always have options like you can go with the the quick fuck you yeah. can go with the guy who's going to take you out you have women have choices they they do not have to um acquire skills in courting really because it kind of comes <laughs> to them as a man if i did if i broke up and we did nothing i would get nothing i would have to you know actively put myself out there and put in a little bit more work yes to, uh, get what i want and so um that's the differences right there i guess and my yeah. friend my friend's just uh, afraid like you cannot let him go because uh they don't find someone better than you and you have to use these psychological games and everything to like yeah. keep 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 your girl in check, you know, or all that. Yeah. That's why well, he's so afraid. He, he's he's not wrong, but um, you know, insecurity like turns women off completely. And if you have to keep a woman to keep a woman, then that's not I don't know, that doesn't feel right. Like it doesn't mean you have to go let your woman sleep with other men. Like that, that's a discussion for each couple to have. But if you feel like you have to keep her under your thumb, like that's, that's yeah. too scary. Like, how could you, you live like that? <laughs> yeah. What do you think about this? Cause I was getting into it with my boys at Buffalo wild wings. They were coming up Ooh. with like this scenario that happened. Um, and this was like a couple of years ago, but they were like um, hashing it out or something. So another friend who wasn't there with us, we were just talking about him and why he was having beef with him they were having a party or something and this dude just kind of like comes up to this guy's girl while they're playing beer pong or whatever and was like you know over the loud music just yelling in her ear and shit like what's your number what's your snapchat da, 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 da. and then uh my friend who was dating the girl had to really step in 
and be all like, hey, man, what are you doing? That's my girl. Da, 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 da. And so my friend who says, uh, watch out for the independent woman was kind of like, you really got to be like that. Like you really have. And, and I was siding with him too. I, and this is where my, my thing kind of comes in. You got to let a woman make her own decisions. Why? Like there's a certain time and place where, you know, in a scenario like that, say I'm at a bar, right? Let's change it up. Say I'm at a bar. And I, and I had a story, something like this had happened. I was just talking about it. Um, I'm at a bar and some dude comes up to my girl. Hey, you're cute. This and that. I'd like to buy you a drink. I feel like, and this is just me. This is just my relationship. I, I'm not supposed to step in until she gives me some kind of look or she looks like she's uncomfortable and doesn't want to be there. Because if I were to go in there and bust through and without even, you know, without even um, uh, in, inner, intervening and not even giving her a chance to reject this man because she's already in a relationship, that, that, that's me having my thumb over her. That's me like not even having her have any control. I feel like it's a responsibility also of her to tell the guy to fuck off or I've got my guy right here. You know what I mean? I agree. I think you, you handled both sides of that really well, that if she needed you to step in and take care of her, that you would do that. But you also gave her the freedom to decide whether she was going to talk with him or not. And I think that's a very, very healthy attitude to go because, you know, if you have to keep your thumb on her, like, it's like, that's not what it is, but like you also don't want her to person. feel like she's not protecting you either. Yeah. It, it's a, it's a perfect compromise. I think for what you described. Have you ever, what's that movie? Um, 500 days of summer. Have you seen that movie? Yeah. It's a sad or, one. <laughs> remember when uh, he, that scenario happened, dude, sock guy in the face when he barely did anything. And then she was really upset because what, what he showed is that he made it all about him. It wasn't right. really about the woman. He was just projecting his insecurities, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, so something like that had happened. If you want to hear the story real quick, it's kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. I'm at a club, and I'm, I'm with a bunch of friends, and I'm with my girl. And um, I think some dude tried dancing with my girl. And I just kind of, like, stepped in and looked at him and was like, hey, man, that's my girl. What you doing? And then something had happened where I had to go out to the parking lot to get another one of my friend's jackets or something. And on my way back, my other friend comes up to me. He's like, hey, man, you got to watch out. Somebody's uh, trying to dance with your girl or some shit. And then I like asked, did he look like this? And yes, it matched the description. I'm like, it's the same fucking guy that I told earlier. So mm-hmm. I get in there and I kind of just like, and my girl's already kind of drunk too. So that's another thing. I feel like you, you, right. you can't really give your girl that power if she's like super wasted because she's not 100% there. You, that's when you kind of Correct. babysit. Yes. Um, and so that's what I was doing at the time. I was playing babysitter. And so this dude tries to dance with my girl. She's like, she's so drunk. She's not even really like aware of what's happening. So I kind of cut in and be like, bro, what are you doing? I told you already, like just fucking wagging my finger at him. <laughs> like I told you already, <laughs> um, fuck off. And then um, he seemed to have been intimidated. And then 
the cupid shuffle had came on and we were all oh. dancing side by side and he it seemed like okay this guy who's trying to dance with my girls he, he's probably drunk he's just trying to have a good time whatever and then um i think i like pulled my girl we're like going back to the bar from the dance floor to get drinks and i just see him kind of like extend his arm out to try and grab her but barely like barely snag her while i'm pulling her away and then at that moment in my head i was just kind of like ah that's a bucket list i want to get in a bar fight like i want to <laughs> fucking i think it'd be kind of cool if i just told this guy hey let's step outside let's fucking do this just for the fun of it just for me had that, that at that point thrown everything out the window because he didn't hit me or anything i made it about me but uh mm. i don't know I, I found that to be a funny story because it was just like this fucking guy like the nerve of this motherfucker you know like it yeah. was like three times he did something like that and it just like I don't know. Oh, there was another, there was another story, man. I'm at, I'm at a bar and we're playing pool and this I'm younger. So maybe around this age, I'm 21. And, um, I'm kind of, I was like embarrassed about it. When I think back at it, I definitely did not handle it correctly. Um, but the only reason why I feel like I didn't handle it, how I thought I should have is because that this guy who was trying to get at my girl, he just seemed like, I don't know if he was like autistic, you know what I mean? There seemed something off about him. Like he had some kind of like maybe mental disability, Asperger's or something. So I was just kind of humoring him, but he was, um, he was saying some things like he was just kind of like being weird about it, but my girl didn't do anything to like talk back at him. She was just kind of just saying, thank you. Thank you. And then when we left, she was kind of upset. Like, why don't you do anything? You're going to let that guy talk to me like that? And mm. I was just kind of like, he's not that sorry to be mean. I was like, he's fucking retarded. You know, like, why could, why, I don't know. It just like, don't worry about it, you know? And so that's what kind of held me back from being like, I didn't say mm. anything. I didn't say, I just kind of looked at him like he was a kid, you know? But I don't know. That's like, that's probably my only example of where I felt like the most, damn, I should have done a better job. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's super going off the rails here. I apologize. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But what do you think? <laughs> well, you can't, you can't ruminate about over, over, I should have done this or I should have done that. I think for the True. most part, True. you're, you know, being secure in yourself and your choices is really important. Uh, respecting your partner to make their, their own choices is also important. Um, you know, if somebody's intoxicated and they can't, necessarily defend themselves then you you know double need to step in and then also if you have to tell somebody more than once then it's a then it's a problem like that you know somebody two three times is still hitting on the like that's just that's ridiculous yeah i'm calling <laughs> the cops dude yeah i, I don't blame you for wanting to deck them that one but <laughs> i don't think anybody would fault you on that um are you ever going to tell your husband about this well you know, things are, things are changing, um, quickly in, in what I want and what I need and my, what, what my desires are. So I would just say, you know, stay tuned and <laughs> right. we'll see, we'll see what's going to happen. Next. Super curious, man. When you, when you let your husband in to your life, or if you do, I would like to have him on the show. Cause I, I want a male's perspective. Uh, on you want his side? side. <laughs> I want, I want to hear the other side of things as a man, like as a man who's in a committed relationship, like and, and I, and I mean it in no disrespect to you. I'm just being super honest. I, I, 
I fear your lifestyle. I fear it. Um, one for maybe because I'm not so interested in it. Like I don't have those urges I feel. And I just kind of fear that, you know, my partner might be like that one day. And, uh, last thing I would want is just somebody living a secret. It's cheating. And, and, you know, and you say, you, you say you talk about it and stuff like that. And, uh, in the book, I guess we didn't really cover cheating as much, but I mean, it is cheating if the other person doesn't know about it. it it's it's, just, defi- uh, it's definitely cheating. There's no way around it. But, um, you know, w- you know, we make our own choice. The only thing I could say, because I, I've actually heard this a lot about like men who are like, oh, I'm scared to read your book because, or I'm scared to li- listen to uh, like a podcast I was on or whatever, because they, they're afraid that they're going to be in that situation. My answer is just talk to her, listen to her, give her what, give her what, she wants tell her what you need you know if if two people are able to meet each other's needs as best as possible it's going to be okay but we were in a situation where one person shut down and the other person was up against a wall so yes people people do feel sorry for him one of my closest friends reads my book and it's like oh i just feel sorry for your husband Hmm. but it's you know would you say it's a little bit of your husband's fault? Like, so I'm assuming he's the one who shut off, right? Yes. I would say it's, it's, you know, I, I take responsibility for my choices, plain and simple, but, um, I would not have done any of these things if I didn't feel like I was in a position, uh, where I had to, to, say, to save myself, to, to better myself. And that's where I feel like it just kind of comes in to where I kind of side with my my independent woman friend talking yeah. about, you know, if I was in your husband's position and, and like I said, I, I'm being honest, I'm, I'm afraid of what everything yeah. you're doing right now. And uh, it would just always kind of be like, yeah, you need to communicate and communication is key. I am very yeah. aware of that and working on it. Communication is like one of the most shit. I feel like I'm almost more passionate about communication in a relationship than I am with sex really. Uh, it's like the base of things in a sense. Yeah. Cause it matters. Like if, if you don't have communication, there's no sex. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, I mean, there can be sex, but it's not going it, to, it definitely. Yeah. Communication is key. It's, uh, it's unseasoned sex. <laughs> and the um, question is, you know, there, he never asked, you know, what he, could he do to, to make me happy or what could he do to make things better? There was never that conversation. There was never that choice. It was always, you know, his needs. And I've said this before, but you know, alcohol is a factor here. I was just about to ask about that. How bad is that? Or how, if you don't mind talking well, about it, it's a situation where it's, it's, you know, he is a functional alcoholic. So he works a job and, you know, is able to, to function normally, but it's just a, a daily presence in our home, the, the drinking, and there's no, there's no abuse. There's no, um, adultery on his side, but that makes him feel like, well, I'm the, I'm the great husband. I don't cheat on you. I don't beat you. And then right. why aren't you happy? It's like, well, ask me why I'm not happy instead of telling me that I should only settle for, for these two or three things. Like there's so many. What does factors. he do for work? Uh, we're both in the, in the same line of work. Okay. So he's also a teacher. What does he teach? Matt? Well, he's, he's not a teacher. He works oh. for the, for the district. He he's a bus driver. Oh, good so job. He ha- yeah. Good he job. has a well-paying union job, but we, we live like two different families. Like he lives like a poor person because he feels like a poor person. Why does he feel he like ne- a poor person? He never has any money. He, he chooses what he's going to spend his money on. Mm. 
and oh, that is okay. his yeah his his poison what does he like to buy what are his toys bud light oh uh, okay so just spending <laughs> a lot of money on alcohol got it yes and a lot of yeah. time man it's just see it's, my whole podcast is a whole mental health podcast and i don't i don't indulge as much in the drinking i always kind of document a little bit i'm young but uh yeah. i was he was when did it start becoming like a daily thing of drinking? Um, it was always a problem from the very beginning. Um, it, but for most of the relationship, it was kind of an every other day kind of thing. Oh. And I would say since COVID started, it was. Oh yeah. My best friend daily. I was just talking with my best friend and uh, I have a weird dynamic with him. I don't, I don't keep in touch with him. Just whenever we talk, we're best friends, you know? Yeah. And uh, we play video games and we start, um, I don't, like I said, I don't really drink. So every time I'm going to grab a drink, it's a really big deal for me. It's just, yeah, like, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm so afraid of alcoholism. I'm so afraid of all of the bad things that come with it. And I just think it's not worth it with the fun that alcohol brings. I hate feeling sick, whatever. Um, I swear I'll have one beer. I'll have a headache. I feel like my mm. body is just like allergic to alcohol. It's just like, what the Maybe. fuck are you doing? Um, and I told, and I was uh, contemplating a drink. I was like, should I do it? And he was just balls to the wall, like, fuck it, dude, why not? Like, and I was like, I don't know. I just feel like it's bad for me. He's like, dude, when COVID hit, I was drinking like every day. And I'm like, really? Holy shit. And yeah, I guess that's something that's been going on with, with the people coping with the pandemic and stuff. Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, most people who don't have, you know, addictive personalities or tendencies, they can have a drink a day or a drink once in a while or two drinks at a party and, and, and go on with their life. But um, if it's a situation where it's causing problems for the family, um, you know, then it's a problem. So, you know, it's been a problem the entire time. And I, obviously there's choices that I could have made and, and how I was going to deal with it. And I spent many, many years, you know, you should quit, you should quit, you should quit, you should quit, you should quit. Mm -hmm. And part of my snap that I had two years ago was like, I'm done. I'm mm -hmm. done. I'm not your mom. I'm not going to focus on fixing your life anymore. I'm going to focus on mine. So instead of worrying about, you know, you know, why don't you take me anywhere? Why don't we, we go anywhere? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? I decided I was going to do it by myself. And that is part of the Tinderella journey and part of, um, you know, all three books basically is, is, is moving away from managing somebody else's needs and having mine be unmet. And, and now I'm managing my own and he can take care of himself. One more thing about your husband, the, uh, has he had any other partners? Has he ever cheated on you? Does he? He had partners before me. He hasn't cheated on me or straight or I okay. think he made a, he might've thought about it once and like couldn't go through with it. How would you feel if, well, you'd probably love it if you just found out that he was doing the exact same thing you're doing right now and be like, oh, we have something in common, <laughs> but you know well, your husband so well, you know, he probably wouldn't be doing that. Right. Yeah. If, if the, theoretically, I, you know, I, I, his behavior is so um, predictable that I know where he is all the time. Like nothing deviates. So if, if I found out that were the case, I would, I would be completely surprised because um, it just doesn't make sense. But at the same time, I, I know it, it just doesn't make sense that he would be able to do that. 
does he not ask where you are when you go on these dates? Like how, what, what, how, how do you, how do you, how do you do this? You know, like what, is it easy? Is it hard? It's easy when somebody, when he wants to be somewhere else and doing something else, it's easier for him to do what he's doing when, when I'm out of the picture. But he's, is he at home? He's like, at home. He's always at home. He's just at home. And then you yeah. just kind of like, you don't say anything when you step out, you just step no, out. I tell him, you know, I'm going here, I'm going there. I'm going, okay. Okay. You know, he, he, he wants me to be out of his hair so he can indulge uh, himself in his poison. Yeah. And drinking? It's, it's a, it, yeah, it's a codependency. So uh-huh. he, he gets to do what he wants to do and I do what I want to do. Okay. So he doesn't, he doesn't like drinking when you're around, huh? I, from what I understand from my friends that have had problems with, with substances in the past, I'm not a user of anything, but I'm, I've been around it in my life. Um, they don't want People don't want to drink or use in front of sober people in front of their kids, in front of their family. It's a, it's a source of shame. Uh, yeah. It reminds them of what, what they're doing. So he even has, he's got his man cave and, and that's usually where he goes oh. to do, to do that. Cause you don't want, people looking down on you and judging you and shaming you when you're doing shameful things. (laughs) But I actually talked my, um, my best friend and also an an ex-boyfriend from high school, they were, they were using when, when we were in high school together and he's actually somebody that I reunited with as an adult. When I first started my, my journey, he was one of the first people that I was with my ex-boyfriend from high school. And he was actually, we were each other's first, we lost our virginity together. And they both told me this, my, my best friend from high school that I'm still friends with. And my ex-boyfriend from high school that I'm still friends with, they both told me that they couldn't be around me when they were using because, you know, so they would hide and lie and sneak around. And I knew what they were doing. Cause I'm not stupid. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't interested in doing it with them. Um, so I realized it's the same thing here. Like he would rather, it's, it's not that he doesn't want me around, but he would rather do what he's doing without me around. So I was able to more easily, you know, get away with what I was doing and doing. Got it. Thank you so much for your time, Miss Alexia. Thank you so much. Um, I hope your listeners will come to uh, Tinderella Diary on uh, Instagram and check me out, find me on Facebook, um, check out the book, ask me questions. I love, you know, talking and chatting and about whatever. So <laughs> okay. I'll keep in touch. Um, I just want to let, I just want to end this right. How I started this. Um, I want to tell my listeners all day. It's, it's only, it's only 11 o'clock, but it doesn't matter. I haven't thought about killing myself. Um, and I want to ask you, my guest. Yeah. What was uh, like on a scale of one to ten right now? One being you fucking hate yourself, and ten being oh, I'm, I'm great. How much? How badly do you want to kill yourself? Wait, what? What is the one where you don't want to kill yourself? What number? And I guess you're at ten. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a bad I'm way a t- to put it. <laughs> never mind. Let's flip that. No, you're it's at- good. I, I'm. I'm. I'm exactly where I need to be. I've never had any uh, suicidal ideations and um, I'm pretty mentally well-adjusted even though I'm dealing with the trauma of being, you know, a longtime spouse of a, of an alcoholic and how that is, is manifesting itself into my own life. But um, you know, I, I do therapy and I take, I take care of the issues as they arise. So I'm doing good. And I'm really, really glad to hear that you are as well. 
Thank you, Alexia. I'll keep in touch and maybe I'll get you on again when your third book drops and um, good luck with your husband. I, if, if anything ever comes out with that, I would love to have him on the show as well. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure right. he'll be dying to talk to you. <laughs> All right. Somebody who's super day. secretive about everything. Okay. Bye. Bye. Second. Okay. Okay. Surprise, surprise. We, we still, we started talking about suicide and shit, but now we're talking about porn and she's, she's very interesting talking about the porn now. So now I want to, I want to hear. So go ahead, continue. <laughs> you said you, <laughs> so, it's all fake, man. Just cause you're a porn star doesn't mean you're not a fuck. Right. So, <laughs> so my, my thought on, on porn is it's, it, it's healthy and there's no shame in, in watching porn. Uh, I know some people think if they watch too much porn there, you know, there's definitely slippery slopes, but my issue is that young people grow up thinking or using porn as a sexual aid when in reality, porn has no, it's not about the woman's pleasure or the man's pleasure or what feels good. It's about what looks good on camera. Mm -hmm. So when somebody's, Oh, I want to try that. Like she don't like that. He doesn't like that. That's terrible. So um, if, if you enjoy it for entertainment purposes or just to get yourself off, that's fine. But I think uh, young people really need to be educated about what. This might what be a feels, little TMI, but I think it's important. Yeah. Um, yeah like, you know, what feels this. good. Uh, I was um, just telling Miss Alexia that I don't, I don't indulge in the porn as much as I used to. Um, but, you know, something that I would do when I'm having sex is I would try to get in a position that I would see in a video or something that I like, and I do it for a little bit, but then, you know, we would continue to have sex in a more comfortable position or whatever, yeah. but I would just imagine that position because it just looked so good. And that's like a big part of, you know, what gets me off or whatever is that I yeah. would just kind of like think about what we were just doing, even if it didn't feel as good, it's just like, it fucking looked good, you know? Yeah, you know, it, it looks good for a reason because it's it's what gets people to watch it and to and to buy it. And it what it's what get I mean the porn is to get off the person that's watching it. It's not for either of the participants to get off. Um, you know, men are trained not to to come. Um, even when they're having sex for for fun, they they try not to ejaculate as little as possible just to, to save it up. Um, mm -hmm. you know, woman's orgasm is in traditional, like most porn, it's not a focal point at all. It's all about the men coming, coming on her face or on her ass or, you know, getting that cum shot, mm -hmm. um, which I think, never really understand. <laughs> well, uh, you know, um, I think, you know, I, I can talk about these, this sexual propensities forever, but I, I feel like genetically, it's more normal for a man to crave coming inside a woman, but because of porn, men have developed a kink to come on a woman. And it's also a, an act of, of domination. So if a man yeah. wants to come on a woman's face or a woman's tits, it's because he wants to dominate her and control her. But it's also because porn taught us that that's sexy, but in, in yeah. you know, nobody wants to see, I mean, except for like people who watch like cream pie videos and shit. But yeah. if a man's coming inside a woman, like that's not the big spoiler at the end of the porn film. Like you want to see it on her face and that's the end. It's not about her pleasure. It's not about what feels good to her, how many times her, she comes. It's about that, that cum shot. So right. I want young people to know that sex is doesn't, or porn doesn't teach you how to have sex. It's, it's something you can certainly add it to whatever it is that you're doing. And I know, you know, a lot of people like to do that, you know, either with by themselves or with a partner, 
but Jesus, if that's how we're young, young people these days are learning how to fuck, like they're totally screwed because none of that is about what feels good. It's all about what looks good on camera. Again, we were just talking about how like back in the day, it, it was pulling teeth to see titties. I like that line. So I had to say it again. Yeah. <laughs> Bury yeah. a magazine in the woods certain time. And e- even for me, I remember watching porn was hard because of LimeWire. Are you familiar with LimeWire? <laughs> I you remember LimeWire. You would just see the title and you'd be like, oh, Burnett sucks dicks. Hopefully she's hot. And then you'd spend 20 minutes downloading right. it and then boom. And then, and me as a kid, I wasn't allowed to have LimeWire because my parents were afraid of viruses and shit. So every yeah. time I wanted to watch porn, I had to reinstall LimeWire and I'd just be pacing back in the for- back and forth in the house. Mm. Like, here we fucking go. <laughs> it's just, it'd be this big event. But now you got this fucking phone. It's just, and, and, and I'm really yeah, curious yeah. on how this is going to go with the future. That involved with OnlyFans and all of that stuff. But all right, yeah, I think- things like you know sex robots and sex toys have evolved so much in the last 10 years but that's the thing like people still need human interaction um that that's the trouble with covid is that people weren't near each other as much and we forgot how to interact but we still need it even with even with sex like you can masturbate or fuck a toy or like do uh video cam sex whatever the hell that shit is but some people most of us need the human contact and that's that's the difference so my buddy was telling me that the population projection in like 2060 is supposed to peak. And I, I guess for once the population is actually going down for once. I, yes. I always thought we were going up, but apparently people aren't having as many children. And I think it has to do a lot with the tension between men and women, particularly uh, of my generation. Uh, I always just see men and women at each other's fucking throats about you got to do this. This is how, this is what women deserve. This is what women don't deserve. This is how, this is why men suck. Men are trash. Da, 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 da. And every time I hear this shit, I'm like, I'm so fucking lucky. I'm in a secured relationship or at least for however long I've even been in it. Even if it were to end tomorrow, I'm glad I avoided it for so many. This shit just seems like such a headache. I would hate to be, and kind of going back to what I said earlier, it's like, it's still easier for the women. I don't want to play these fucking games, dude. I don't want to fucking worry about oh am i double texting am i being fucking clingy oh does do i i'd rather fucking kill myself dude (laughs) i I think the answer to that question is birth control we've only had reliable medicinal birth control for 60 years since 1960 so yeah that's the only time in history that women have been able to control their sexual procreation and, you know, when they want to have kids. And, you know, my, my mom is 80 and she, and she had kids in the sixties and in her generation, like before her, they couldn't get birth control. Like there, there've always been, you know, prophylactics oh, yeah. and condoms since the beginning now. of time. Yeah. Because Every, women have yeah. that choice. And in history, women didn't have that choice. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, when the man wanted to stab her and that, and that's when she would, and, she would be pregnant and have 12 kids. Either. Most right. women were stay at home mothers. Like my, I know people who are siblings of 10, but that was normal back then. Oh, right. I had my, 10 brothers and sisters. Now that's, that's unheard of. Who's got 10 fucking brothers and sisters. Right. My grandma, my grandpa was the second youngest of 12. And, um, <laughs> you think we'll ever go back to that? You think pe- people are going to have that many siblings or you think we're going to no. stay? No, I don't, I don't know. I think people might not have kids at all because it's, you know, we don't know what kind of future that we're, we're leaving for them. So I don't think it'll ever go back up to that. 
unless something happens where, you know, birth control is done away with, but that's really changed everything completely for, you know, women. What's that? Would would you like more children? You satisfied? Uh, Hell no. No, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Well, we're talking a lot. We're talking a lot. I'm sorry. This is like one of my longest podcasts in a while. And I've been holding my I guess that a lot. Yeah. Love to do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I will touch base with you and we could brainstorm more things to talk about. And hey, any of my friends that listen to this and have an opinion, I'll shoot them your way. So yeah. Nice, nice talking. Enjoy your Sunday. Enjoy your Sunday. I will. You too. Off to the beach. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Oh.